Kim Stanley Robinson stands amongst the last crop, the last great crop of writers to debut in the pages of Damon Knight's Orbit. In 1976, in Orbit 18, he published a story called Coming Back to Dixieland. It was the first of many, many fine short stories that culminated perhaps in some of his, some of his greatest work, great you know, stories like The Blind Geometer, Escape from Kathmandu, and, and culminated most recently. I mean, it's disturbing to me that such a great short story writer has written so little short fiction over the last 20 years. I mean, I think The Timpanist of the Berlin Philharmonic 1942 stands amongst his very best work. Having debuted in 1976, having won a World Fantasy Award for his short fiction, in 1984, he became part of the A Science Fiction Specials that Terry Card produced, the same series that produced Green Eyes by Lucia Shepard, Them Bones by Howard Waldrop, uh, In the Drift by Michael Swanwick, and The Wild Shore. It was the first blow in one of the great utopian science fiction writing careers. He Arguably, uh, Robinson is the great utopian writer uh, you know, for science fiction. So it's interesting that in this, the, what is it, 31st year of his writing career, he would deliver a book that in some ways isn't particularly utopian at all. Aurora is a generation short st- starship story. It's probably the greatest single generation starship novel the field's produced. Why? It's full of rich characters, it's deeply imagined, it's passionately felt, and it asks a number of great questions that need to be asked about the viability of space travel, about the the, the, the plausibility of leaving our solar system and living beyond it in any kind of meaningful way. When I first read the book back in February of 2015, this is what I had to say about it. I said, it seems unfair to say too much when we're still several months out from the release of the book, but I enormously enjoyed this new novel. It feels like a long-distance pendant to 2312, and I mean that as a compliment. Of course, it's smart, sensitive, and beautifully written. Of course, it's going to engage with issues that we need to be engaging with, and of course, it's not going to lecture us. If you read this, and I think you should, then I want to say that I ended up falling for the narrator of the book, who I think becomes a fabulous character. Which Robinson is this? I think it's the one who is punch drunk in love with geography and astrophysics and the wonder of the interconnectedness of things, who just has to tell you how the universe works, how wonderful it is, and how wonderful it is to feel as though you understand it. Oh, and it's a generation story ship about a voyage to Tau Ceti, what happens to the people who go, and a little bit about what happens to the people who stay behind. I think it's a special one. That's what I said. I guess now that the book's been out a while, it's fair to say that this is a novel narrated narrated by... A ship's AI. It's given the task by the lead engineer of the ship to, to write the story of the book of, of of the voyage. The you know as the book book opens, we're just approaching Tau Ceti. We're uh, about to you know test the viability of the whole voyage, and it's under stress, great stress, because of the various demands on the system on on its internal working systems. They've been out a long way from Earth for an awful long time on a craft that's a trillionth the size of the planet we live on and it's not easy to get by so when you know, young Freya decides to go off on her, her Wunderjahr and show us the interiors of Aurora she shows us everything we need to know and it's spectacular and it's wonderful and at times it's very very moving 
Gregory Benford, and I should put up a link to this, I guess, but I don't have one to hand. Gregory Benford has argued with, with this book, and I understand why he has, and it's one of the reasons why this is such a great book. This book demands argument. It demands engagement. It asks you as a science fiction fan, as a science fiction reader, as someone who's committed to the idea of the great leap forward getting off this planet of ours, to think about what that means, not just about what we leave behind, but I mean, how do we do it? Why hasn't anybody done it before? Why is, you know, is there the, this Fermi paradox that says, you know, if there, if there was aliens out there, shouldn't we have heard from them by now? It asks that. I'm not telling you, even though the book's been out for a while, what the key turning points of the story are, because they're novel. I've seen... Dr. Benford and other people query some of the invention in the last quarter of the book, and I'll leave that to them. They've also suggested that Robinson has overly weighed the book in his favour, that he's put a finger on the scales when he mounts his argument about the the difficulties that the uh, Generation Starship would face. I'm not sure I'm 100% convinced about that, but if he has done it, I think he's done it with the, the best reasons at heart. He's done it because he wants us to focus, I believe, on life on Earth and what it means to live on Earth, what it means to live in our solar system, and what it means to engage with our environment and to engage in it in such a way that we don't see it as a disposable item. You know, you can see it. This is also uh, connects to Paolo Bacigalupi's The Water Knife, which I also think is one of the best novels of 2015. Um, it, it's, it's passionate. It's smart. Uh, I'm probably not going to add anything terribly much more intelligent to that. I'm going to suggest to you that if you're interested in science fiction, you should pick up Aurora. If you're interested in how to engage with the world, you should pick up Aurora. If you're interested in what I, as one simple, simplistic commentator, am going to do, these little mini-podcasts, which may or may not come out to the world, I guess if you're listening to this that has, they're going to talk about books that I think are worthy of the Hugo Award in 2016. It's a very topical conversation as I as I talk to you right now. And I think Aurora is, when I try to determine what I think is award-worthy, and it's a very personal decision and anybody who's going to vote or nominate has to make their own decision. For me, there's a couple things. I think it has to be really, the book has to be really well executed. And Aurora is. Robinson has a tendency to info dump a lot. He's very, very good at it. He's very, very passionate about it. And in this book, it's, I think it's as under control as in any of his major novels. Um, if a book's going to be up for the award, it also has to be substantial, I think. It has to be award-worthy. It has to be about more than something, you know, a, a little bit of light entertainment. There's nothing wrong with light entertainment, but I as a single voter, a single commentator, don't feel that's what's going to drive my uh, voting, my nominating. So when it comes to the Hugos or any other award, I'm looking for something award-worthy, something substantial, something well done. Aurora is all of those things. It is quite likely, though not definitely going to be on my Hugo ballot in 2016, when I vote at Mid-American or nominate for Mid-American. The reason I say probably but not definitely, I will be honest with you. There's still many books to read, and I intend to spend some time doing it. But when I look at it, when I look back at, you know, I'm now eight months into the year, the the books I've read in 2015, it stands very tall. It would be a fine and worthy nominee. Go out and have a look at it if you haven't. I think you won't regret it. This has been 
another Cooch Sweet short bite. Bye.